and welcome to the Eastern Kicks podcast, a fortnightly magazine program about East Asian film, led by me, Andrew Heskins, founder and grandmaster of EastonKicks.com, and James Mudge, our leading writer. Each episode, we'll be taking a look at the latest films, news, festivals, and often chatting to filmmakers and stars along the way. Welcome to the second part of our two-part special on Hong Kong comedy. If you haven't listened to the first part yet, what the hell are you doing? Find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or a variety of other vendors and download the episode now. And don't forget to subscribe to us so you don't miss an episode. Later on, team member Maya will pick out one of her favourites. And we'll be hearing how Podcast on Fire's Kenneth Brosson got into Eastern Flicks. But right now, we're going to leap straight back into the conversation. Should we move on to Her Fatal Ways? This is mine, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> it is. Step up to the plate, man. Again, I just don't want to talk about Stephen Chow. No, it's P- fine. Pitch it to us. No, okay, so two things I'm choosing Her Fatal Ways for. One is we talk a lot about men in, um, in the film so far. The, mm. the, the Hui yeah. brothers, Stephen Chow, Wong Jing, you know. Um, but there are some quite... Fantastic female performers, although usually the you know the the their base uh, Anita Mui I talked about a minute ago, um, mm. uh, and the woman in I can't remember her name that was in um, Seventy Two Tenants, the the chubby lady who then made a career out of that role, but um, Dodo Carol Dodo Cheng is um, a fantastic comedic actress who's probably never better than in um, 1990s Her Fatal Ways. It's a mix of comedy and, 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 and crime drama. Basically, she plays a mainland Chinese public security officer, i.e. government stooge, that's delivering a criminal to Hong Kong, a drug runner who escapes. So she and her nephew, is it? Played by Alfred Chung, who um, also... Uh, directed and wrote the film, have to interact with um, Tony Lunkafe, Big Tony's uh, Hong Kong police detective, and his um, grand, uh, his father, who's uh, who's a mainland Chinese who's had to come to Hong Kong because he's not a communist. He's a Kuomintang fighter. So you've got all these wonderful culture clashes going on at a time, 1990, where the country was gearing up for the 1997 handover. And whilst a lot of Hong Kong cinema at the time kind of ignored that and it's not going to happen and let's wave away it's going on over here this film kind of addresses it up front it's got this lovely sense of culture clash not just between the the two different sort of political narratives of, of mainland china the communist and the and the and the, and the right wing but also hong kong and its britishness there's a wonderful scene in it where um tony lung's father um is comes to breakfast wearing his uh, his military outfit, <laughs> which then is, uh, makes um, Dodo and uh, Alfred turn up in their military outfits. Tony Tony comes out of um, his bedroom and goes one minute. Comes back out in his British police uniform. You know, <laughs> the point of the film is we're all kind of Chinese. We're all the same. We've got mm. all these differences. So there's this wacky kind of comedy stuff going on there's quite a fairly decent sort of police thriller going on as well so again it's got sort of all these different so there's this comedy and there's a bit serious stuff going on as well but it's a film that kind of addresses what's going to happen and has quite a sweet message at the end that you know we're all a bit different but we're all the same we, we're going to have to get over this and get on with it now it led to 
three or four sequels of diminishing returns but this film I think is brilliant and, and Dodo Chen is just as, as a comedian is fantastic um, uh, she's good enough so she um, so the sequel to All for the Winner is the top bet <laughs> and she took the lead <laughs> in that and Stephen Chow is merely the uh, merely a, a guest star so there's, there's this wonderful complexity around God of Gamblers All for the Winner top bet um, all the sequels and sub-sequels all the way, they're still making them now <laughs> from, the, from uh, the Vegas to Macau series but yeah, I just, I just think she's important because she to me is one of the most obvious female faces and voices of, of this style of Hong Kong comedy mm, mm, mm. I mean I've only seen the first Fatal Ways but I I, I remember really enjoying it but I do remember thing, yeah, whether I thought of it as like a, a thriller De- definitely, I, I kind of remember it more as a thriller than a than a comedy in a way. No, no absolutely, uh, it lives it lives in two work two, two yeah. worlds, and it, it's almost as if there's a thriller, there's a thriller of an you know a, a drug dealer who escapes, and there's there's quite some violent stuff going. That, that's on there that's what I mean. That's what that's why I remember. And, I, I can and, and remember some of that. Populated, punctuated by these these crazy set pieces. I mean, there's another hilarious one where um, they've been put up in a in a hotel room, and. Yeah. They, uh, Alfred Chung sits down and he accidentally sits on the remote control of the TV, and some quite <laughs> hardcore porn gets on the TV. <laughs> Dodo hears him. Says, "What are you watching?" He goes, "Oh, it's 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 a film about um about the 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 communists taking on the corrupt capitalists and they're they're beating them up and they're and they're challenging them, but they're they're surviving these beatings and um, and even when she goes around and sees it's a woman being 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 whipped and and chained in a, some kind of BDSM thing, um, he still manages to turn it into and she goes, oh yeah. But she's fighting hard, isn't she? That's good. <laughs> and and there's, there's this whole culture clash because they just have, you know, the, the point is they have no term of reference. This might yeah. be what it's like in Hong Kong. This is a different <laughs> world to us. And so you could accuse it of being a little racist. Mm-hmm. But I think actually what it's, because it's got that sweet ending, because it's, you mm. know, it, 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 it's actually trying to say, no, these are just stereotypes. We're using these stereotypes and you're going to laugh at them, but you're going to realise they are a load of nonsense, yeah. and, uh, or, or, or they're not necessarily 100% true, because obviously all stereotypes have an element of truth about them. Mm-hmm. That's why but the that, I, mean, that, I mean, that was one of the things, though. I mean, and you're right, I think it's quite different to some of the other Hong Kong films, which were, you know, effectively just looking at mainlanders as being sort of unsophisticated kind of bumpkins, and especially, you know, in the, especially in the early 90s, uh, you know, in the lead up to the... To the handover, there was all that. That was quite a, a sort of, you know, not having films specifically based around it, but even in a, even in like Tricky Brains, you know, Stephen Chow tells them that he's, he's their kind of backward cousin from mainland China who's come to Hong Kong, and he gets a lot of mileage out of pretending he's a bit slow, and they're oh, he's just from the mainland, or, you know, I, I think there that that was something which was quite popular. And there was quite a lot of xenophobia in a lot of those films as well but you know about uh, like basically Thailand was a place you'd go for prostitutes mainland China was a bit slow Hong Kong was still seen as a sort of sort of shining beacon of kind of culture and you know economic success yeah absolutely and, and, and you still find those feelings embedded in Hong Kong culture now yeah, my, mm. my, my, my Hong Kong friends delight in telling me they saw a mainlander take a poo on the 
there's always you know, and they, they can almost you know they say that's a maylander you can tell by the way they dress <laughs> and you think oh, no, no, this isn't the world we live in anymore guys but, and, and these and these are fairly reasonable people you know they're, they're, they're not not um they're not we're not i'm not talking about people who are like 80 years old or something <laughs> embedded in some kind of uh, wrong worldview they're just it's just it's just how they are so that's what i found i've just found this film you know it, it plays up to those stereotypes but at the end of the day it ties it into something else and i agree it's, it's hilarious it is it's a good film but can you imagine a modern remake i think you could <laughs> i think you could but i don't think it would be as good and I think fun, it, I think, funded with mainland money like most yeah films I, I, yeah that, you could probably make it in taiwan <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think you could make it in the mainland. But you, you could, you could uh, you, do you something could with if, it. If, if but, you could, if the plot was, you know, angled a certain way, I guess. Uh, yeah, you could you could flip the whole thing, couldn't you? And you could put, <laughs> bring some corrupt people from Hong Kong over to, exactly, uh, to, yeah. to China. But you know, I, and, but I am surprised actually that it hasn't. I mean, a lot, a lot no, of no, yeah, are, absolutely. Are absolutely. Jo- jo- joking aside, absolutely. You, you would think that was kind of. Um, Something you know, I could say, just some kind of like cultural communication, or lo- looking at the kind of similarities, differences, and as you say, like you know, the making fun of the stereotypes that people have. Mm, absolutely. Toll comedy only three years ago. In Poland, when I was growing up, uh, there was not a lot of access to Hong Kong cinema, especially the commercial one. Um, mainland Chinese films, on the other hand, were easier to find. Um, Hong Kong films were not playing on TV, they were um, only available on DVD, uh, but it was, again, mostly Hong- uh, Wong Kar Wai's films. Um, I started watching a lot of Molito when I was writing an article on uh, Hong Kong Lunar New Year blockbusters. And um, a lot of them being such um, chaotic and crazy comedies. Uh, Since I was a child, I loved Leslie Nielsen's films. Uh, So Stephen Cho spoke to me instantly. Um, But the film which surprised me the most um, was The Eagle Shooting Heroes directed by Jeffrey Lau and produced by his uh, business partner, none other than Wong Kar Wai. Originally, the, the Eagle Shooting Heroes were a byproduct of Ashes of Time. Um, they, they were shot to cover up the, the cost of Wong Kar Wai's film, um, which budget just went way over the scheduled expenses. So, Molito comedies are like sure blockbusters so Jeffrey Lau just took both script and actors of Ashes of Time and shoot a comedic version of a very serious wuxia epic uh, just to make it very very quick make a lot of money and then cover up the expenses and the roles were shuffled be- between Ashes of Time actors and the stories turned completely upside down uh, which makes both films just the most amazing material for a double feature picture show. Uh, humorous Molly in Molly Toe um, often is based on language, so 
Unfortunately, a lot of non-Cantonese speakers are missing a lot because there's like a lot of language games and um, just uh, yeah. I mean, it's the translation is all, always imperfect. Um, I mean, however, my favorite sort of comedy is um, situational one, and definitely the Eagle Shooting Heroes are best for situational and just uh, the sort of strange, crazy images sort of uh, comedy. Um, there is one scene in Eagle Shooting Heroes I just can't get out of my mind. Um, Tony Dang Chiwai is known for playing melodramatic roles or playing just men deeply in love, like in Wong Kar Wai's films. Um, but in the Eagle Shooting Heroes, he plays a villain, Ouyang Feng, who is just the most ridiculously sinister. I don't remember this whole story well because it's so chaotic and crazy. Um, but anyway, in one scene, uh, Tony Dang Chiwai eats something strange and his mouth swell and turn into a shape of a banana. And Tony Lang Chuai with a banana mouth, that's this only one image already makes the film totally worth watching. Yeah, we're kind of looking at some of the, you know, there, there is lots of spooky comedy movies, and, you know, and you've got these kind of couple of lines, you've got, which kind of kind of intertwine I think quite a lot you've mm. got you know on the one side you've got ghost comedies and then that kind of come, becomes you know very much the Jiangxi kind of hopping vampire yeah um, series as well hopping corpse so, as I say we're a bit ghost snatchers so yeah let's 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 chat about that one no, I mean I, I love Ghost Snatchers, man, and it's 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 one of the ones I came across it because you know I'd seen the director's other films, I, uh, and this is where my pronunciation is fucking terrible. And the guy, Choi Lam, and the guy yeah. who did like Seventh Curse, uh, Story of Ricky, it's fucking uh, classic movie, ero er er erotic ghost story, excellent film, yeah. you know. Uh, it's it's a you know he's I, I tracked it down through him. Oh, his work's really massively entertaining. Uh, absolutely, really every really everything he does was quite, and and so. Although this film, you know, we're kind of putting it in the context of the, the sort of especially the post Mr. Vampire kind of popularity stuff. I think the Ghost Snatchers would have probably happened anyway. I think it's it, it was written by Wong Jing, who stars in it as well. Uh, was was, he was it, yeah did a lot of movies with uh, yeah yeah. With, uh, so I, I think this would have probably happened anyway. Uh, Ghost Snatchers and it, and it is before it's before kind of Stephen Chuck kind of popularized the you know the proper sort of like Molai Tao comedy and everything but it's very much it's it's completely nonsensical film it's basically just you know skit after skit after skit with Wong Jing and uh, yeah it's kind of Ghostbusters but there, you yeah. think I, the first time I watched it I thought that was going to be the point I thought it was going to go Ghostbusters but it's mm. it, it's not it's just basically him and old uh, Stanley Fung who's in you know so many different films of that period comedies uh, security guards in in the haunted office, which is of course is like Japanese World War Two ghosts, but it's just I mean, how would you explain things like you you have like the the Mahjong ghost, which is just like a a Muppet, and it's completely oh, it has yeah, yeah, nothing, yeah, and, it, and it's wearing like you know, dark glasses, and it's it's supposed to be some cool ghost, and it's just it's absolutely nuts, and there's so many other kind of practical ghosts in there. I mean, it's like how any of that is linked back to kind of like Japanese World War Two atrocities is just. 
<laughs> there's nothing in there. And it, and it's, you know, we're talking about these kind of tonal shifts. And this is one where it's like, it is actually, you know, quite creepy more so than some other films that appeared in places. It's actually quite gory in places. And it's pretty sleazy, you know, with it being Wong Jing. There's, you know, quite a few bits of nudity and everything. It's not category three rated or anything, but it's, it, it's all over the place, the film. But it's incredibly, I don't know, for me, it's incredibly funny and entertaining. But the, the strangest thing about it is still the fact that, um, as in pretty much all of the films where Wong Jing wrote and starred in, he, he has, you know, a very good looking girl as his girlfriend in the film. So you had Joey Wong from, you know, Chinese Ghost yeah. Story and everything in there. Uh, yeah, as, yeah. as Wong Jing's girlfriend. But it's a, it's a great yeah. film. But it's, it's, and I, I think we started to see more of these films kind of, because this was, what, 1986. Um, and, you know, obviously with Hong Kong cinema, they were churning out lots of spooky comedies following Mr. Vampire and everything. But uh, I think this one would have come anyway. But I think some of the stuff we started seeing, like, in the later 80s and the 90s, there was some, there were some very good spooky comedies coming out there, which, whether they're vampire-based or other ones, I think there's plenty of good films. How many, how many Mr. Vampires were there in the end? Well, officially or unofficially? Uh, of- <laughs> well, we have, the, we have new Mr. Vampire and everything like that, so... Uh, but they, they, I mean, I, I don't know. The, the later Mr. Vampire, I mean, Mr. Vampire 2, I always thought was pretty terrible. Mm. Uh, with the, you know, the little kid vampire uh, and everything. Although, hugely popular in Japan, apparently. Um, but some of, the, some of the other ones, like Dr. Vampire, is a very good film, for example. I mean, he, it's, he goes to Scot you know, someone goes to Scotland, which is apparently the, the, the heartland of all vampires. <laughs> and in a disco bar, a Western vampire finds the Chinese guy and bites him because apparently Chinese blood tastes of ginseng. And then for no, for, for no reason at all, like, you know, the doc, you go, you don't, I don't even think he's a doctor, to be honest. And he goes back to, to, to Hong Kong. He's like, oh, no, man, turn into a fucking vampire. But it's more like a Western vampire is turning into. And then we cut back to like the, the not very Scottish German vampire saying, yeah, I want more ginseng blood. I'm, going, I'm literally going to Hong Kong tomorrow. And it's just none of it. You had quite a lot of these films where they were just throwing everything at the wall to yeah. see what sticks. And not much of it sticks, but you, know, you had all the stuff like Here Comes a Vampire. It was some of them were just complete gibberish, but they're pretty funny. I mean, Mr. Vampire itself, mm. I think, has a special place personally for me because I am pretty sure that's the first Hong Kong film I ever saw. Nice, but, yeah. but I, yeah, I mean, because we're of that age, mm. it's Channel 4, it's Channel 4, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got, it's got to be, and I don't think I understood it, I don't think it's sort of the film that gave me the love for Asian cinema, but I remember mm. thinking, what the hell is this? Yeah, <laughs> not 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 just. See, I, I think I think um, Zoo Warriors of Magic Mountain might have been on before, Mate. but I I, I I have a vague memory that was the f- I don't know if it was the first one that the, the films they put screened, but that was I seem to remember, or maybe I just watched it first. But so yeah. that's batshit crazy anyway. But in okay. my head, I always like to think it was Movie Drone that turned me on to Asian cinema. Movie <laughs> Drone, but but there yeah. were only about two Asian films, and I think they were probably both Kurosawa films that, that did it. So it has to have been something like one of these late night Channel Four filling the schedules with with Hong Kong cinema on it. But I just remember watching it and thinking, this crazy shit going, and these hopping vampires, and <laughs> and. And and they've always been like a, this sort of um, what's it called um, Jiangxi, isn't it? The 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 Jiangshu, the, the, yeah. the, 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 the sort of the Taoist, the hopping court, yeah, the, yeah. The, you know, and and 
and they still have you know they still see films now with the with the with the Taoist um, uh, bits of paper that they stick on with a charm written yeah. on it and yeah. calling things fairies when they mean demons and <laughs> and, 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 and and it's a real you know so that's, I mean that's, that's a fundamental culture shift isn't it because to me a fairy is a completely different thing because you're a fairy and you're thinking oh, that's funny but he doesn't mean it in the way I'm thinking it which is a totally non a non PC way isn't that it's a famous bridge isn't it called Fairy Bridge but really it's Demon Bridge um, but yeah but this Jiangxi stuff but but it's continued on hasn't it I mean uh, Juno Mac did the um, rather rigor mortis the, yeah. the rather more, so, very, more so, very straight mo- oh, faced yeah very sober version of, of, it, of I, I, but it had I, the same cast I was mm. surprised how sad that was mm, uh, yeah. you know rigor mortis that's the one thing I didn't expect about it when I actually saw it was it was pretty fucking depressing I mean, it's a great film I think I mean Juno Mac I mean he I mean that would be a different podcast I mean he's yeah, nothing but respect for Juno. But I mean, he's he's he's, he's certainly turned his um, he's turned his perception of him upside down, hasn't it? From from yeah, from he's pretty boy pop star to absolutely no, no, no I, he's absolutely. a really lovely interviewee as well. Oh, I, I've, I've, I've spoken to him on yeah on the phone, and he's yeah. actually a really not what I was expecting to be honest. No, he's, 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 he's a very sweet, uh, very kind of soft spoken yeah, guy. He's hundred hundred percent into it though. You know, yeah, that, and then you, and then more recently there was what vampire cleanup. Mm, yeah, there's been a few others as well. Vampire versus vampire versus Sifu was it? Yeah, yeah, one, yeah I, which I I liked. I mean, quite a, both of those films. They they didn't get amazing reviews, but I, I, I like both of those. But there's not there's not too many. And you had uh, the vampire who admires me um, about eight eight years ago, something like that as well. So they're not. Sadly, it's kind of not really ever found its footing. Yeah. I mean, there are spooky comedies in general. I mean, you're still getting a few. I mean, generally done by Herman Yao, probably. Mm. But there's there's not too many of them still like actually coming out now. Which is you know, a shame. And it's a shame because they were so popular. I mean, I'm just going to read out another mm. another uh, from their Twitter. It's just from Association to Form, who picked out a lot of Jiangxi Oh, let's hear the list. Oh, well, I mean, you know, I'll just pick out some of these, but Encounter the Spooky Kind, The Dead and the Deadly, The Trail, I love The Trail, man. That's a fantastic film. And The Shadow Boxing, which is, I don't think is, is, is really kind of like a comedy, but it is one of the early kind of Jiangxi mm. kind of appearances. And he, and, and he says of um, The Dead and the Deadly is full of great character play. Sam Hung is especially entertaining here throughout the whole movie. Iconic scene, Sam was a ghost with fast forward movement. The plot with all the trickery and treachery is going on is quite engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a good film. Good film. You know, and, and he, you know, they were so popular. I mean, I think people would like to kind of, you know, it's obviously, it's, it's very... People are very fond of that, and I think you know what. Maybe that's quite a good good point to actually kind of move on to uh, the next film, um, which does pick up on the this 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 combination we have. You know, with Mr. Vampire, we have horror, we have martial arts, mm. um, and we have comedy. You know, and kind of moving on. So this trying to you know, I think over the last couple of decades. I mean, obviously. And and you know, maybe we want to kind of talk more about this. Is this is the the, the you know definitely when things move towards mainland China, mm. um, that kind of local voice of Hong Kong comedy really died away in the noughties. There's not a lot mm. of real proper examples for obvious reasons. It, it, it just wasn't going to sell. But into the into the tens, you start to see more kind of things popping up. You know, and I, you know, one of those is, is now a decade old, is Gallants, which is a, 
a lovely sweet comedy. Again, mm. it's got, you know, a classic old, you know, real old school cast of people like Chen Quan Tai, mm. um, good old Teddy Robin, who, of course, supplies a couple of songs <laughs> for the soundtrack. He has to. You know, Bruce Leung. You know, absolutely fantastic um, old school actors. And what I think was really nice about it is, you know, that, that you know, it's, it's this kind of, it's not a, a, a great pretext, this uh, really lowly estate agent who's, who's totally bullied, basically go, ends up going to his, what was his hometown to try and sort out a deal and finds out that the guy leading the, the, the gang who basically owns everywhere is the, a guy he used to beat up when he was a kid, but he's now completely feeble. But what's really <laughs> nice about it is it really... Uh, it, it actually kind of, unlike a, what the temptation would be for a lot of films, would be to put him centre stage. It pushes him. You yeah. Know? And uh, there's there's a young uh, lady called uh, JJ Jaya who's 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 there as well. Um, but it kind of it it doesn't really concentrate on them so much as the old actors and really gives them a chance. Mm. And I mean, you know, it's got Susie Shaw is in there. You know, and actually, I think she's. She's in the next film we're going to talk about as well, but actually it's a really great performance. It's just, it's very sweet. It's very kind-hearted. It, it, it is. is it's, this, yeah, it, it's classic kind of kung fu thing of when these people come on the screen, it, it applies this, um, you know, a little. it puts a little bit of text on the screen, like all the old kung fu mm. movies were in the 1970s. You know, and directors, uh, Derek Kwok and Clement Clank, obviously love this stuff. And, and it, it, it really does come from a whole, I read from a place of, of love of that, that it's spoofing this kind of kung fu film. But actually, also, the the choreography, which is by Ewan Tak, and, and you know, a mm. very kind of well-known choreographer, is actually really good as well. So it's got, it kind of balances it all out. Sort mm. of film that it's, it's, it's not perhaps as laugh-out-loud funny as, as some of the films we've been talking about, but it's just such a sweet... just comes from such a sweet place. It's quite... I totally, totally agree. And it's weird calling a film sweet. It doesn't sound like... Yeah, that's kind of like damning with faint praise almost. <laughs> hmm. but, but I agree. It's one of the... And again, it sounds horrible. It's such a nice, genuine film. It's everything about it is heartfelt. And you're right. It's very, it's funny in places, but it's kind of well observed at the same time. And yeah, the overall thing you get from watching that film is yeah, how much they actually love and understand the the, the genre. It's not like spoofing or cheap parody. It's not like a Wong Jing kind of take on where you probably have the old guys with their you know, trousers falling down to show their underwear or something. It's it was actually a very moving film, and it's it's absolutely rooted in nostalgia, isn't it? Mm, and, and, yeah, and, and, and yeah. it's dripping with nostalgia, and, and even the way it's shot, def- I, I, absolutely, abs- even the yeah. sets and everything. Yeah, and 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 it brings, but it also bring and, and respect, and you call it mm. sweet, and it's nostalgic respect, and and it brings the old, the old and the new together. Yeah, in, in a way which doesn't happen very often. I, I can't think of many other films that 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 treat what, what went before with, with such, with such care and respect, you know? It, it's, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it's, definitely. And, agree. As, as you said, it's not a parody. It's a yeah. celebration, but also isn't too afraid to bring the modern into it as well. It's a, it's a lovely yeah. film that, and it, you're right. It sounds like we're damning it with faint phrase, doesn't it? It sounds like we're, we're, like we're um, patronising someone in an old folks' home. Like they, they had a good life. You know, they, they, you know, they've done well. It's a very <laughs> sweet thing, but it's not. It's, it's it, interesting it, though, because um, I mean, you know, when we were 
when James and I were talking about, you know, what we should cover, James suggested it. And, you know, actually, I, you know, I dug out my old screen of DVD and actually, I think more so than when I watched it originally, mm. I was really taken with it. You know, just such a, you know, just the way it was done, the way it was, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's a, it actually, where some films, you know, are quite chaotic, it's very, actually very considered. Um, yeah, it's a well-crafted really film, definitely. And, and, you know, and actually kind of talking about how it's shot, uh, the cinematographer is Osing Poo, who he did, uh, he was a cinematographer on Made in Hong Kong. Oh, okay. um, And also works on It Man. Mm. He also did, uh, he was directed, he's directed a few films, but also is kind of known as the uh, producer of Weeds on Fire as oh, well. Okay. So. Yeah. And he also worked on Chasing the Dragon. You know, it's, it's kind of a kind of mix of kind of lo fi and hi fi stuff, I suppose, really. But definitely. Again, you know, it's a real professional behind the camera and just kind of gets the right tone for this, I think. It's very correct. And also, you know, and and actually even even to the way that the the fight choreography is kind of done, it's all, you know, and there's bits of animation in there as well. It's all very, it's quite, Mm. it's quite cute. It just, it just hits the right level, I think. Mm. And actually, I, I, it's one of those films that I remember watching and I, and I, I kind of enjoyed it, you know, back when it, Originally came out, and actually, I think at the time it was was quite a a, a, a quick uh, UK release for a chance. I, I think it was it at Terracotta. I, I think I saw it. I think Terracotta screened it. Oh screened, yeah, screened yeah. it. Looks. I think that's when I saw it when it was on the big screen, the first time. So uh, yeah, I have very fond memories of that. And I think um, I think it's interesting you say you've pulled it out again and you've enjoyed it more now. I think mm. I, I think I would have. To, I, I watched it. Do you say it was ten years ago? That's terrifying. Jeez, yeah. that's um, awful. <laughs> um, and I, I wonder if Stephen now, who's ten years more knowledgeable about what it's referencing, would yeah. actually enjoy it a lot more. I, I, I thought it was lovely, absolutely, and, and <laughs> lovely. <laughs> Dabbing with yeah, we're, this is going to be the this is going to be and it is and it does yeah. yeah. But I but yeah. I th- but I think now maybe because I'm getting older and I'm more knowledgeable and, and I might actually enjoy it yeah. even more now. So I think I'm going to probably mm. pull it out again like you and pull so out I know I, I, yeah definitely. <laughs> Uh, so we're all doing it and we, okay. and we got, um, and we got time on our hands right now right so yeah <laughs> sadly we do so moving on I mean I, I think it's a, a, this, this segues quite well as well so to I mean, the next film we're going to we'll talk about which is uh, I think mean, James is going to take the lead on the next one which is Vulgaria which again is kind of <laughs> fucking it, it's kind of nostalgia but for uh, a very different uh, Hong Kong scene uh, it's it's funny because I, I you know when I, I was trying to figure the comedies to pick and everything for some reason I still had in my head that Bulgaria was like reasonably new not almost ten years old like it's when I, that's you know we're talking about Gallants being two thousand and ten and Bulgaria being two thousand and twelve that makes me feel that does make me feel even older as well that's shocking man but this was uh, I don't know I think this was one of the ones which really made Pang Ho Chung quite famous internationally and everything mostly just because of the the poster art for the film with uh, you know Dada Chen in her kind of fetish nurse outfit showing her cleavage and everything but it's it's one of those it's film, I, I think this is still like one of the we're talking about kind of like modern Hong Kong comedy versus some of the the older types we've been talking about um, very sort of dialogue based you know, it was category 3 rated just because of the just because of the dialogue and everything so mm. I think anyone who was watching it based on the poster art expecting some you know, it's sort of category three style nudity and sex and everything's probably going to be a little bit disappointed by it. But I mean, he, he directed it, he co-wrote it with uh, Jodie Luck, who also, I mean, she worked with him on quite a few films, right? 
uh, quite yeah, a few different yeah. scripts, um, as well as doing her own like Lazy Hazy Crazy, Lazy Hazy Crazy, um, which was a great film as well, which I really liked as well. But uh, and she co-wrote Love in the Buff. Love in the Buff, that's one. Thank you. Mm. Um, and it, you know, it, it's, I, I do love films which are about filmmakers as well. So you have like a you know Chapman Toe is like a um, a sort of very troubled film producer, uh, who's also working with uh, Simon Lowy, who's the guy from all the Troublesome Night films, and I do love Troublesome Night series very much. <laughs> and they start, they have to start, you know, so they start working with the, the gangster called Tyrannosaurus of Ronald Chang, who I who usually I don't like in a lot of films. I, his style of comedy for me is a bit, you know, grimacing at the camera a lot of the time, but he's really, really good in this film as well. And he's like, you know, the mainland gangster uh, who wants him to make this, um, it's a sequel to an old Shaw Brothers film, I think. And he still wants uh, the actress, I remember her Chinese uh, name. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Susan Shaw. Yam or Susan Shaw. Yeah. Susan Shaw. Uh, yeah. To still wants her to appear in the film and take her clothes off, despite her being, um, you know, advanced years at that time. And he still keeps talking about how he still gets an erection when he thinks about her, <laughs> all the way through and everything. And you basically have a film which is still it's about the filmmaking process and you know working as a you know working as a producer. Uh, myself like the whole thing of like being desperate trying to find money and everything the, the film basically still revolves around finding out why Dada Chan's character is called Popping Candy and like Chapman till having sex with a donkey <laughs> and they, but they, they sustain this gag like the entire way through the film and it is we were talking about the language aspect of it I mean it's the use of like Cantonese swearing in the film is it's so it's impressive you know it's, it's incredibly inventive some of the phrases they use in there as well which a lot of things I was not even vaguely aware of myself, but I think it's a very different kind of comedy. There's bits of physical mm. slapstick, but not much in there. And for me, I, I like Pang Ho Chung's films on the whole, but I think this was the one still where he, he'd been in, you know, he'd been working, I, I think his first one was about 2000 and 2001. So he'd been in the street for about a decade by that point. It, it did feel like a quite funny way of kind of venting about stuff as well but it's mm. uh, it's a very funny film and I think it's a fantastic yeah, it's script and yeah and, I think and my only thing about it is I, I just I do like the film but I do prefer Viva Erotica ooh that is a great fucking film man I mean I and it's, it's, very, yeah, it's very similar uh, territory in the, in the you know that is about a guy making category free films very much about true. filmmaking that's true. No, no, no. I, I don't. I, I can't disagree. I mean, that, that's a classic. And then Leslie Chung's Shishi in there and everything. But mm. it's. Uh, yeah, I, I still think it's like a, an example of modern Hong Kong comedy. As we were saying, yeah. like, yeah. it's so rare to actually get something which was, was incredibly local. And which actually is probably one of the last. Even in like the last eight, eight or nine years, it's been one of the few Hong Kong films to actually get that kind of international release still. I mean, it's still based on the nurse costume, I'm pretty sure. But yeah. it's, you know, it got released around it. It generally got good reviews. It played pretty much every festival, um, which is fantastic. But it, it's it's still very, very funny, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Especially he, if you, Pang Ho Chung is like one of my favourite directors, period. Mm. Um, and this, I do feel, is a bit, um, other than this and Trivial Matters, they're the only mm. two that I can think of that are proper comedies, in in unashamedly so. And others have got yeah, he's he's got a, 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 a V. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, AV is kind of a very sarcastic comedy, I guess. And and of course, sort of love in love in a puff, obviously 
does have a lot of comedy in the in the use of the creative use of the uh, Cantonese language. Yeah, so <laughs> we're, the, we're, so you, we're going to get into that. We're yeah. we're all going to try some Cantonese swearing. Yeah, you know, I, but we I can, assume. <laughs> but we can try that. But I, I have to admit, I didn't like Vulgaria when it came Ooh, out. Oh, sick! Why? Why? I, I no no wait 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 for the punchline. Sorry, <laughs> I, sorry, sorry. No, I, I I really love it. I mean, I've loved his works. Uh, Beyond Our Chem was one of the first films I saw of his, which I that is a great film. Fantastic and brilliantly prescient and is worthy of so, a completely different discussion about something else altogether another surpri- time. surprisingly yeah surprisingly good at, yeah, yeah yeah exactly and, and, and he managed to draw a great performance out of one of the twins which you know is is to be uh, is to be rewarded but i and i love the love uh, and the puff films. controversial um, Dream Home, I think, is one of the best horror movies. Uh, period. Oh, sick! Yeah. I love Dream. I do fucking love and Dream I, Home. And I just thought this was Chapman's. And home. Dream Home is very funny. It is, it is funny, but it is very creative and it's very funny with the horror. It's grotesque. I thought about choosing Dream Home, but I, I thought that was gonna just send us down like another goddamn rabbit hole of conversation. <laughs> we'll save that for so, the Halloween. Yeah, so, we'll leave that one that's for why. I, that's that's why. That. I, that's why. We'll, I we'll do up. a whole podcast. I love Hungarian, but Dream Home. Yeah, that was more like socially conscious. Yeah, horror com- comedy. I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. but we would be here for days then. I always thought Bulgaria. When I saw it, I just thought oh, this is another Chapman Toe larking about thing. And mm. I kind of I I get why people like Chapman Toe, right? You know, he's he's a personality, and you you. <laughs> You, we don't have many personalities in Hong Kong cinema anymore, yeah? We have the oh. same old people that look the same, or you have Louis, Louis Koo turns up and Andy Lau, you know, it's always the same. Chapman Toe doesn't look like any of them, and he's a personality. And I probably just saw the film through the filter of, oh, it's another Chapman Toe larking about uh, film. I, th- and, I think this and is and before wrong. that, though. And I'm wrong. I think wrong. it was before that, though. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I actually, I mean, I have to agree with you now. When I see... <sighs> to be honest, when I see his name like kind of attached to something now, yeah, I, I do kind of. But I think this was a bit before that. It it, it was, and and I. But I think I, I think I was wrong about it. So I went back. You know, I have gone back and and, and watched it again, thinking, what? Why didn't I like? It? And and the second <laughs> Good time, indication. The second That's... time, yeah. No, I I get it. It's it's a film. You know, it's as valid a film as I don't know, Pain and Glory is. Yeah, about <laughs> about about the filmmaking <laughs> process. What? Yeah. What the fuck? It, What's the but, link? I mean, no, no. I love Peter Glue. What, what's the link? Well, because they're both about filmmakers and the filmmaking process. Okay. Yeah, but they take a very different. Yeah. They take a very different. <laughs> very different. Like very different. Don't get me wrong. I love him. I, I love. Yeah. I love Peter Glue as well. It's just a. But, but, you, but, but un- you know what I mean. You know, films about the subject of filmmaking process. You can you can go sure. different ways. You can you can say how. Uh, what's the other one? Um, one Cut of the Dead. That's another film about the filmmaking process. Yeah? <laughs> but, in fact, I, I always actually say that's actually what it's about and nothing else. But um, it, And so, so the Volgaire fits absolutely in that, especially in that kind of, you know, what we talk about Hong Kong cinema, even mm. now... You feel there's a little bit of um, amateurness about it, yeah. Yeah, we we know that mm. there's all the mainland money in it, but occasionally you get something that breaks out that you think, oh yeah, that's um, that's got it. Um, and well, Bulgaria you, it, is probably one of the last films the to process. have it. Yeah, I think I think it's still the. I mean, I you know, on a production side of things, talking to some Hong Kong producers at the moment, one of the main kind of barriers we're having is the fact that we're saying, you know, with a Hong Kong production company wanting to shoot in the UK, they're still showing, okay, well, we should shoot everything within two weeks. And like talk to UK, then the UK partner says, what are you talking about? <laughs> two weeks? Are you kidding? Well, okay, two weeks, including prep. Like, well, that makes it even worse. You know, it's, <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. I, I, it comes back to that. Not 
even so much as calling disposable content, it's just like there's no point in spending time on this. Let's just get it done. I still think there is like a di very different attitude in the in the Hong Kong shooting style, which is in some ways very cool. So I think. Oh, I, I think it breeds great inventiveness. Um, ah, which, absolutely, which, which and it, it, it cuts down on like being on set where a director decides to do the same shot like fifty times. No, no, Herman Yao's got to make four films a year. He hasn't got time. <laughs> he, hasn't got, he, hasn't got, he hasn't got time. It's a, it's he has a contract. <laughs> he has a he has a contract somewhere where it says Herman, you must do this still. Yeah, absolutely. No, but, but a, a good a good choice. I think is what I was trying to get at. But um, it mm. was a film I I had to love the second time round. Fair enough, fair enough. But I I think. Uh, and I haven't watched it for a while, to be honest. Like, but uh, Chapman until now, I associate you know, maybe some more annoying things with him at the moment than I would have at the time where I saw it. But it, though he did, yeah, same here. Yeah. He, he did direct um, the Empty Hands. That was fucking great, man. I've got to say that is one of my favorite Hong Kong films of the last ten years. Still, it was only like two or three years ago. That was a fucking great film. I, I couldn't believe he actually made that film. To be honest, I mean. It, if he's listening, which I'm sure he is. Uh, he I, listens uh, to every podcast. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's an amazing film. It, it's incredibly well made and he got such a great performance from him. That. I, I haven't, from, I haven't, uh, I haven't uh, seen that. I'll, um, yeah. Surfing, yeah. I'll check that out because uh, maybe he can resurrect himself in my mind. It, it's one of those films which is not quite a martial arts film, not quite a drama. It, it, it's kind of, um, what's that Johnny Toe one? Um, Throwdown. Mm, oh yeah. God, yeah, yeah. The, the karate one. Uh, yeah, it's not quite the same level of sort of philosophy as that, but it's still, you know, there's much more going on in that film than I expected there would be. It's very cool. But I will definitely check that out. Not, not really a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Although moments of comedy, because it's a Hong Kong film. So. But, you know, Bulgaria, I still, you know, I watched it again. It's fantastic. It's a very good film. One last movie I think we're going to throw in, and it was just a, a I like what I mean, but it, it, it is a, a nice comedy that's that surfaced in the last couple of years, which is Men on the Dragon. Very old school. Very, yeah, that, that was one of the very few proper sort of nice old school type of comedies we've seen in the last while. It, it could have easily been made in the 90s, I think. In a good way. In a good way. And it's it's got, you know, lead, lead guys, Francis Ng, which, and he, he is always fantastic. Poon Chien Lang. Kenny Wong, Tony Wu, directed by Sonny Chan. Who's the writer of, I always have to throw that in there, his, for me, his best film still is a horror hotline, Big Head Monster. <laughs> or a title like that, it can only go up. It's such, a, it's such a great fucking film, like nobody talks about that as being one of the, for me, it's one of those ones just post ring, which was genuinely like an amazing film. Like it never really got anything which it deserved. To be honest. I, uh, I haven't seen it. I, I mean, if you've got a copy, you've got to lend it to me. <laughs> I, do, I don't have a laser disc, but I, got... <laughs> uh, but, I mean, back I on laser disc, I, I, I mean, that you was a DVD. got me into Men on a Dragon. Exactly, with, uh, they're the loving the laser whole disc. Whole big section film. with with Francis and his character, <laughs> loving the laser disc. He brings out all these better tomorrow laser discs. That's right. He's watching them all the time, confusing his neighbour's daughter. You know, who's like, what the hell is this? No, when, when I brought, uh, you know, when I was in conversation with uh, Sonny and Tony, uh, and you weren't there, I, I did bring that up and say, yeah, my, my old Heskins, my old pal, like, he's loving the laser discs, man. And they're like, oh, Sonny was very into that, you know. He, <laughs> I think he personally did want that in there as well. So he, he did want to, like, fly the flag for that laser disc scene, such as it is. 
But it, you know, it's it's a night. It is a it is a good movie. It's a it's a really decent comedy to it. It is. Purpose. And it's you know, it's got that. He has got that kind of local flavor. Again, I think it hasn't. I mean, it got played in a few places, you know, including in the UK, um, but hasn't really got picked up for any kind of. I don't think so. No, I, I don't think. I think it would. Yeah, it played festivals here. Um, the New York Asian Film Festival, right? Uh, yeah, so, so, yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's not been actually distributed or screened anywhere properly. But, you know, we, you know, through our, our Chinese Visual Festival thing, we, I, I'm pretty sure at the right time, like in like Chinese New Year time and everything, it would actually have found a decent audience because it's, it, it's a very well-made film and it is very mm. nicely done, good ensemble cast, everything. It's, it is pretty old school, but in a very modern way so. Hi, this is Kenny B at the Podcast on Fire Network. I co-produce and co-host most of the shows over there. And we talk about Hong Kong cinema, new and old, Korean cinema, Japanese cinema, and even sleazy movies. And this is how I got into Eastern flicks. I'm from Sweden, so excuse the accent. But it plays into my story. I never knew if this was a hotbed or not for Hong Kong movies on video or Asian cinema on video. I did browse the video store quite frequently when I was younger. That was one of my sort of safe havens and happy places. But I don't have any firm memories of encountering anything on the VHS shelves that screamed that must be a kung fu movie or that must be an Asian action genre piece or anything. To my surprise, doing research over the years, I found out that we probably had more VHS releases than my local store carried because doing research for various shows i've encountered that uh, sweden was kind of a nice uh, place from certain labels that is in terms of presenting hong kong cinema on vhs but going to the actual discovery it happened on tv i remember reading a small blurb in a uh, local evening paper from one of the uh, movie critics that probably did reviews in the paper but also had a movie review show on tv and the blog was very small. He was essentially just telling us to watch these movies that are on a particular satellite TV channel right now. Uh, they're from John Woo and essentially you won't regret it. And at the time, during that month maybe, they were featuring a select number of movies from John Woo. A Bullet in the Head, The Killer, Once a Thief and Hardboy, presented in Cantonese language with Swedish subtitles, uh, obviously, and I began taping them one by one. They were probably on during a span of six, seven days or whatever. And the first one I watched was uh, Bullet in the Head, and I was floored. I never knew action movies could contain such raw dramatic power while also be these over the top showcases of gunplay violence uh, granted bullet in the head is a little bit more grounded but uh, obviously watching the killer afterwards th this was something completely new and different that i literally was blown away by and therefore my interest started with john it, my interest started with actors like giant fat and the heroic bloodshed movies and i didn't think i was gonna be able to expand because this seemed to be like the thing for me, Rogue Bloodshed is the thing for me, and watching Kung Fu trailers on the likes of uh, the Made in Hong Kong UK tape releases. 
Kung Fu seemed like too much of a foreign notion. I'm going to stick to heroic bloodshed. But the impact that exploration has had on my life, it, it has meant that I did expand. And it was a glorious, and it still is a glorious experience to expand depth and explore genres, even if it's just for fun. But I, I, I do it because... The podcasts, they're, they're, they're not paid endeavors, uh, but I certainly treat it as a job because I want to provide context and I want to provide background info that acts as fuel for me to try and re- review it properly and present it properly and to store notes for my own archives in case I need to look up things. But I'm also presenting a program. So this love for Asian film has certainly had an impact because... Um, it started out as a labor of love, obviously, discovering these films, but now I'm so many years on still trying to learn more of them and learn the ins and outs and the, the whys and what, what the impact was on the market and whatever behind the scenes stories are behind these films. And that doesn't need to be confined to one genre. And I think that means the exploration is always ongoing and that's always a motivator for me. I would be happy. If I, if I kept it to this unpaid hobby, but this personal work ethic and presenting of the shows, uh, however flawed they may be, it, I mean, it has led to opportunities in terms of doing uh, uh, audio commentaries. What one specific audio commentary, for instance, wasn't even for a Hong Kong movie, but Mondo Macabro turned to us, having heard our Korean cinema podcast called What's Korean Cinema and they asked us to do an audio commentary on the Kim Ki-young movie Woman Chasing the Butterfly of Death and I didn't expect the ripples you know working from our own limited bubble I suppose uh, but working from within your own creative bubble you don't think necessarily of uh, the the consequences and the ripples that is going to reach somebody to the degree that they want to hire you professionally to do what you do and I think that's very gratifying and uh, humbling and you set a challenge for yourself to do even better I suppose but when it came down to it it was the same process of creating a podcast going into that audio commentary so I'm so many years on having discovered Hong Kong cinema and then obviously exploring Korean cinema and even Japanese cinema to the best of my abilities and uh, as much as time allows it continues to be a motivator. It continues to be inspirational to to explore and try to be better and try to add things to your memory bank and add things to your research archive. And despite that being work, the love never goes away. So that's it for this podcast. Don't forget if you'd like to keep the conversation going or even just let us know what your favourite Hong Kong comedies are. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest and LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your chosen platform, be it Apple, Spotify or Google. For an app podcast, considering the situation we're in now and with the popularity <laughs> of Parasite, uh, we'll be looking at some Korean films you can watch for free or free-ish if you want to stream them from the popular sites. And so we'll be chatting to Angle Celluloid's Paul Quinn mm. and our very own Roxy will be making some picks out for us. But for now, Gambe. Yummy! Yummy! Woo! <laughs> Cheers with the lemonade. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Fighting. <Yeah. laughs> Add oil. <laughs>